This is Flipping Tables. This is Flipping Tables, a podcast about gaming, culture, and whatever else we technology. feel about. Technology, whatever else we feel like talking today about. Today we're not going to talk about technology <laughs> at all, because there's nothing interesting happening today. No, today is September 9th, 2014. Nothing going <laughs> nothing on. Is, nothing of value was lost. <laughs> That's right. So I'm one of your hosts, David Lyons. I'm the other host, Mike Edwards. And we did have one... There were, there were two pieces of follow-up, and I apologize... To one of our listeners, I cannot find – someone told me a good remake movie from the 80s and I can't find the tweet. Like a good reboot? Yes. One that was not terribly done and I can't find it and I'm really sorry. But the other one that somebody mentioned was Battlestar Galactica and they're right and they also said minus the ending and they're they're right. The, the reboot of Battlestar Galactica was really good. Right up until the end when it got absolutely abysmally terrible. So if you haven't watched Battlestar Galactica, I highly recommend it if you're a sci-fi person. But just make your peace with the fact that the ending is rushed and awkward and confusing and really stupid. But everything leading up till then, it's worth it just for Adama. What's his name? Uh, Oh, God. I got to look it up now. You're asking the wrong guy. (laughs) I only watch... Star Wars. You're uh, Star Wars only. Edward James almost. Oh, yeah. I love that dude. Yes. He's one of the best <laughs> parts of Blade Runner. This is what I'm saying. He has just ridiculously awesome delivery. Yeah. Yeah. So, and he's like one of the core characters. He's one of those actors where even if he's himself, always you don't care. You're just nope. like, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, that was a good example. Um, Thank you for the reminder, Battlestar. But now I kind of want to watch it again, but I know the ending's terrible. So it's like, it's a double-edged sword. So tell me about this game you've been playing about, like, not dying of hunger. <laughs> this game about not dying of hunger is called Don't Starve. So you, you I think you it's played it. It's not a new game. It's not. It's, I think, like six months old, maybe. Um, it's a little indie game uh, that kind of took off. Um, you played it a little bit, right? Once. Once. Okay. That's a little, that quantifies as a small amount. Just the same number of times I've tried Dota. There you go. Um, so this game is uh, you basically you're dropped into the middle of a field and you're given no instructions other than it's going to be dark soon. You should probably find something to eat. And that's it. And then you can like chop down trees to make a campfire and – you can get like flint and stone to make tools and you can like forage for food or you can hunt and there's like terrifying monsters because it's like a pseudo realistic world. But then there's like parts of the ground that are made out of tentacles and they shoot up and kill you. And so it's like realistic but terrifying. And there's it's kind of like a Tim Burton looking animation. Style. Yeah, I was going to say, is it does it have a little uh, Lovecraft to it, too, or it, a little bit? It's it's kind of this. Like there's a little like I, I'm pretty sure I've heard that you can win, but in general it's kind of a like you're gonna lose. Well, so <laughs> this is what's interesting to me. So it's part of a game series or part of a, a genre called roguelikes, um, because there was a game called Rogue, and these are games that are like that game. <laughs> so, so a roguelike is a procedurally. This will play generated- into a conversation later about prescriptive and descriptive language. It will continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, it uh. It's a procedurally generated random world, so every time you play it's completely different. It expands basically on forever in every direction. And you're right, you can kind of sort of win. But so there's there's two things. So at first there was just classic mode. That was the only mode. And the objective is just to live as long as possible. Mm-hmm. So you can like first you make simple tools and a little camp, then you can make like structures, then you can make farms and stuff and and really like kind of permanently set yourself up to live yeah, in this Robinson Crusoe it up. Yeah, exactly. There's actually uh I think on Twitch maybe, I don't know, probably Twitch, but some guy survived for like a thousand days, which is <laughs> a tremendous accomplishment in this game. It's really, really easy to die. And the important thing to know is it has permadeath. 
Yeah. So when you die, you're dead. There's anyway. no save. There's no start at last checkpoint. There is – there's a thing called a touchstone and they're random. You don't always find one. If you find one and you touch it, that can like bamf you back. There's also another way to manufacture like a touchstone. It's a different item but it, it'll bring you back. But the thing is they're incredibly hard to make and you're not even guaranteed to get the supplies to make one. Yeah. So – Basically, you're going to die. You're, it's so likely that you're going to die that on the menu select screen, you can see the morgue of all of your characters, mm. how long they lived, and what killed them. Yeah. So it's like... It's like a shrine. Yeah, it's like this person starved to death. This person was eaten by spiders. This person was beaten to death by tentacles. Like, it's really kind of macabre, but it's this... I, I was actually inspired to start playing it again by a, an article I read that I'll share in the show notes... And I just I realized like this idea of of roguelikes has made a huge comeback on mobile because you can algorithmically define the world and then the world is created as it needs to be. Yeah. And then you don't have to have like these giant complicated maps that are pre-planned in advance. And I, I think the the notorious difficulty of this genre of games is part of the replayability. Yes. I've I've played games that I don't know if you would describe them as roguelike, but I've played hard games, and there's always that urge to like turn on God mode, and I found <laughs> every single time I do in one of those games, it's fun for five minutes and then I'm bored. Yep. And like the difficulty and the repetition is and the satisfaction of actually earning a longer life or greater success is pretty powerful. Yeah, I think it's an interesting because roguelikes are a very old style of game i mean i think rogue came out in like 82 like it's it's old um but the thing is a roguelike a game that has no defined ending the objective is more like an old arcade game where it's like you're just trying to get the highest score yeah like there's where no if end. you if you win it just starts you over and you just yeah, keep going exactly <laughs> or like i'm thinking of like ghosts and goblins like that may not fit Ooh. that may not fit roguelike in terms of there is an ending to that game yeah well, actually there's a horrible because you have to beat it twice yep <laughs> but that game is brutal and i i mean i think that game's so cruelly brutal that i'll probably never beat it because i just <laughs> like, screw this but i don't have to put up with this crap like just things like Oh, if this item didn't spawn the right way, you lose. Yeah. Like, go ahead and die because you're going to have to try again. And just, like, little things like that and inching and just, like, learning. Whatever the programmer farted into the algorithm <laughs> of the game is, like, people have been following it with, a, like, crazy attention. Well, and that's so... Not every hard game gets that following of people that are willing to, oh, no. to put up with it, though. Yeah. Well, and if, I just think it's interesting to have... Um, because you mentioned, like, incredible difficulty. So in Don't Starve, one of the options you have is you can dial up or down the frequency that certain kinds of things appear. Um, so say, like, berries. Like, berries are really easily accessible food, and you don't have to cook them, but you can. And if you do, then they're better. So And you don't have to hunt them because they're berries. So <laughs> you can turn up the frequency of berries – but I realized, because I tried this once, I went in and I turned all the good things all the way up and left all the bad things at, like, the normal. And it totally sucked the fun out of the game because you're just surrounded by this ridiculous abundance this of supplies. It becomes tedious. You're like, I'm sick. Like, yes. It's sort of like when you're winning a Monopoly. You're like, sorry, guys. It's, it's taking me a while to count all this money. Yes, exactly <laughs> that. It's exactly like that feeling. And it's just it's boring because the whole point of the game is, like, the thrill of survival and like, like there's been times where I've been playing and like I'll accidentally get into an encounter that I can't flee from. And then like, I come really close to dying and it's like, well, I was collecting like rocks and stuff, but now I have to go forcibly get into an encounter with spiders because you use the spider gland to make the yeah. healing salve. So it's like, I didn't want to fight at all. And now I have to go fight more. And like, <laughs> if there's just crap laying around everywhere, it's more like you're just in a messy house. Like there's just too much stuff. I've definitely been trying to to get better at wanting to play games on even non roguelike games on harder difficulties. Yeah, for that satisfaction. Because example is Last of Us, a game I've probably played through six times <laughs> by now. And yeah, it, I mean, it doesn't take that long when you skip all the cinemas and you're just going through gameplay. But 
Um, I beat it on hard for the first time. And then hard's not even, like, close to the hardest the game gets. <laughs> oh, does it go up? Is it, like, there, Doom where there's, like, insane and impossible? Yeah, there's, like, two beyond hard <laughs> that, you know, strip away the UI. You have no idea how many bullets you have. Um, Ooh. Um, See, that's cool, like, metagaming. Yeah. Where it's, like, we didn't actually make the game harder. Like, the universe isn't more perilous. We made it less like a video game. Yeah. Ooh. That's and, cool. But even just switching from normal to hard, there was like a noticeable, like going back to normal mode, I'm like, this game is really friendly on normal mode. You find bullets everywhere. You find materials <laughs> to make med kits and upgrades everywhere. And on hard mode, it was really noticeable. I'm actually in a post-apocalyptic world. There is, <laughs> there's nothing. Everything is trash and garbage, and it's all been sorted through a hundred times by other people. There's nothing left, <laughs> and so your only option is to kill the people that do have stuff. And it, I think it plays. Oh, and then it becomes more of like a moral. Like is my well, survival it, it, it worth plays killing into, that guy? The storyline is sort of about how much of a monster you have to be <laughs> to survive in this world. And, I mean, a lot of zombie fiction deals with how inhuman the humans have to be to try to survive. Mm. But playing on hard mode, like, drives that, like, having a difficult game, then when you do kill the people that were probably just trying to survive like you, you're you're like, oh, sorry, dude. I need (laughs) your gun. (laughs) Sorry, bro. It's a super nice pistol. (laughs) But beating, and also you can't carry your new game plus into a different difficulty. (laughs) Which on Last of Us Met, I didn't carry all my super weapons. So if you're gonna play hard, and can you go down just not up, or you have to do the exact you switch, same? You switch difficulties, you lose your your upgrades. See, I think you should let people go down because then if you well, beat it on, it improv- does give you the achievements going down. So if you beat it on normal, okay. it gives you the easy achievements too. So you Uh-oh. don't feel like you already beat it at a harder level. Like you're gonna make me breeze through an easier form. But I do think that there is a. I think the broadening of gaming has enabled niche, like healthy niches for stuff like this, or games can't. I mean, Last of Us isn't very niche; it's a blockbuster first-party game. But these roguelike, these indie I would say games, it, it was given blockbuster first-party um, like advertising and promotion, but it's not the broad, approachable sports game or yeah. shooter. No, it's it's an R-rated or MA-rated game that is only on Sony. And oh, that's true. It is PlayStation. And it, I mean, it's the long adventure game that isn't... I mean, there's a huge fan set for that, but it's not universal by any means. Right. But I mean, I think it's... I would say it's actually a really good thing that they... Sony and the publishing company, if it's not Sony, they threw their weight behind supporting a less approachable, less broadly uh, enjoyable game, which totally just segues into this other thing (laughs) that we need to talk about from a really high level. (laughs) So gamers are over. (laughs) (laughs) You lost the right. So there's this thing going around called Gamergate, which I found out is actually also the name of a Swedish uh, development company that well, makes games. Bad. So I'm super... This is like ISIS. <laughs> yeah, that that's super unfortunate for them. Um, but here, I'm, I'm going to say right at the outset as a disclaimer that I this is very like political drama. So I have not been following this super closely. So any facts I get wrong, I'm really super sorry. <laughs> I'm going to link to a bunch of stuff in the show notes, um, but it's a complicated issue. So here's the Reader's Digest version. Um, Some people put out some indie games, and some other people decided they didn't like those games, and they began harassing the creators, and then it turned into this giant argument about corruption in gaming journalism and whether or not the journalists were protecting the indie gamers because they were their friends and then the the haters were trying like they were caught planning harassment so it was really hard to just say that whole thing with no pronouns but it boiled down to yeah. stupid young men on the internet were harassing young women who were trying to create indie games so like people not contributing <laughs> anything to the world 
yes. trying to tear down people who are trying to contribute to the world. Yes. And <laughs> if I understand all the details of this correctly, it wasn't just an indie game like, oh, she made a Pac-Man clone for the 21st century or some yeah. – like it, it was a game – Yet about, another tower defense. Yeah. It was a game about dealing with depression and like – how you would interact with someone who has severe depression. So, I mean, it was it was a small game from a, either a solo or a small team of developers and dealing with, like, a really heavy uh, – what, what is the, the current politically correct way to say it? Trigger words. Like, it's, it's like a trigger topic for a lot of people because yeah. a lot of people deal with depression or know someone who's dealing with depression. So it's, like, just a lot of emotions flying around – in the best of times, and then there were also these <laughs> horrible two cities. <laughs> yes, and then there were also these horrible people shitting all over the situation and like harassing this person a lot. So, like I said, I'm going to link to a ton of this in the show notes. I'm going to try and find as much non-involved people who wrote about it. I think the. In, I mean, to sort of break this neutrality you've been presenting it with. <laughs> yeah, that was, not, that not was exactly my... neutrality because you've been pretty clear <laughs> that people are harassing her and that's stupid. Yes. But the, the, the kid gloves with it, um, that it does this whole gamer's gate indictment of the press for being, and they keep using the word corruption, which I think is a little, <laughs> yeah. it's the wrong word, even for what they're arguing. Right. Um, but just the, uh, the the conspiracy theory it has that like tea party or just any any fringe group that has is starting to lash out and and try to reach for explanations for things because i think there's some pretty easy occam's razors i've read some some of the stuff from different people in the press and other places oh from the press there of course they would say that. <laughs> um of how like do you really you really think this is how this industry works like you know, I'm the first to say that the gaming press is has all sorts of problems, but yep. d- helping out an indie game in this way doesn't make any sense to them. Yeah, I like you're more likely to take money from EA to say, "Yeah, the new Madden that's exactly the same is totally the best ever." You have no idea. <laughs> yeah, and it's I think it's interesting to lump like bribery like, oh, EA paid for favorable reviews, which we know they've done. I'm not just picking on them randomly. Yeah. But, like, it's weird to lump that with I know someone who is a game journalist and I asked them to review my game. Or in in Zoe Quinn's case, I think a lot of the the hate toward her is people are like, well, they only reviewed her game because she's a woman in a male dominated industry. And she made a game. That's not dude, bro shooter Madden 95. And it's like, and I'm just like, hell yes. yes. <laughs> it's like, that's not a conspiracy. That's a game journalist who was probably that, like, Oh, thank, thank God, God. <laughs> I can review something besides the new call of duty. So I, and mean, I just <laughs> like, I don't get where, why they think the power structure is in favor of this female indie developer. It's so not it's so in her not. favor. It's like, well, who do you think has the power of the only income in the form of income that actually keeps gaming sites alive? Advertising. Yep. Guess what companies and what genre of games advertise a lot? Dude, bro, <laughs> annual Activision shooters and. <laughs> Yeah, and th- this is where for me I have to. Who uh, can threaten to pull that out from under yeah. a website? And this this is where I have to make it personal. So, as someone who plays games, I don't really have strong feelings about the subject matter of games because if it's subject matter I either disagree with or I'm not interested in, I just don't play it. So, I think you should be able to make a game about whatever you want. Any person should be able to make any game they want, period. Because game, I, th- I think of games as a, a form of art. So yeah. it's just like I think you should be able to write a book about whatever you want. Like there was uh, a few years ago there was a big catastrophe. Everyone freaked out because the guy made um, Super Columbine RPG yeah. where it's like a, an old like Final Fantasy style top-down 16-bit. But you play as the shooters. Like, yeah. You're not fleeing the shooters. You are the Columbine shooters. And it was like this 
big, powerful critique of like trying to be inside the mind of someone like I'm that. I'm sure the and nuance was totally covered well by the press. It was, yes. They were <laughs> totally fair and even-handed. Yeah. Um, but I mean this to me, like the, her game about depression, which I honestly know nothing about because it's been completely overshadowed by yeah. nonsense and, and you know, I just don't get all what, this other stuff. Like – I don't know. The other comparison to Tea Party is that basically this is the, like, they want journalists to show their birth certificates, basically, <laughs> now, before, their, like, their I want you to publish your taxes, I want you to publish your, before you're allowed to talk about games. Just, like, insane, I mean, I don't know what you want, gamers. You're, you're, this form of yourselves needs to die, because it's ugly, it's awful, it's political. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the real reason I'm a gamer, is that... I remember I was reading on Reddit a, a st- story someone told about being a gamer in the arcades in the 90s of, like, he was, like, eight or nine. He went there with his friend, and they were playing X-Men, and they were getting their asses handed to them by this game. <laughs> Sounds about And right. two teenagers showed up, and when you're eight or nine, a teenager is like, holy <gasps> shit. Um, with, like, a baseball cap full of quarters, and he's like, hey, buddy, let's beat this game right now. And That's like, why you game. In that like camar- camar- camaraderie, I don't say camaraderie, 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 and that that satisfaction and that joy of of beating that hard game that's designed to take your quarters. <laughs> yes, <laughs> is I mean that's one reason I would be a gamer is that that joy of conquering and exploring. But I mean, I think so. The X Men arcade game that's an interesting example because I can't imagine any normal person who who's a gamer walking up to the X-Men arcade machine with three of their friends because it's four person, right? And I think, I think they, some of them are six, aren't they? Was it six? Yeah. But okay, the they point is different this. Sizes. One of the characters was Storm. And I don't think anyone was like, oh, I don't want to be her because she's a lady. Like, I bet that happened. but <laughs> Maybe a little, but not... I mean, that, yes, there are stupid people in the world, but like I've never sat down to a game and but no one with a straight face can be say that about X-Men like oh they just had to put a female character and it's like no this no. is fucking X-Men yes. there's like 50 <laughs> female characters but I mean I've never sat down to a game and been concerned about the race or gender of the avatar yeah. unless it was relevant to the story and then I want them to be interesting so like if I'm playing a game about I don't know, the struggles of a young black man in 1940s America, like, then yes, it's relevant. Is that the Michael Jackson Moonwalker game? Yes, it was, <laughs> yes, that was it. Holy crap, Moonwalker. But you know what I mean? Like, then their race and ethnicity is relevant to the story. But, like, uh, oh, God, what was, it was a PS3 launch title, basically God of War, but with a woman. Oh, Heavenly Sword? Heavenly Sword. Heavenly Sword was an excellent game. It was way too short, but it was a lot of fun. The fact that she is a, a woman character, the main character, is... With means the unfortunate eth- female armor trope in, well, intact. Yeah, but to be fair, pretty much everybody's half-naked because they're all kind of tribal. So, like, it's not like <laughs> only the women are half-naked. It's like the men are also mostly naked. Um, but it's like, I, it doesn't matter because the story is not about her being a woman. It's like here's a strong female character and here's her story, but you could totally pull her yeah. out and put in a man that behaved the same way and you'd have the same story. I mean, basically, unless you want to really get into like the yeah. nitty gritty, but I mean, it's like, that's to me the way those characters should be written by default. Like it's a female character because the character is a female. It's not a female character because diversity. Yeah. And also <laughs> any achievement doesn't have to have with parentheses as a woman. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like the the Black Isle. Did you ever see the the fake movie posters praising women, or if men were praised the same way women are in movies? And it, it was just like the tagline from the reviewers, like even at forty years old, oh yeah, this actor is still as as lithe and yeah, <laughs> useful as ever. Or well, so I'll find the picture that I I shared on Twitter yesterday, but somebody shared. Uh, like six covers of GQ magazine and five of them have men all wearing like tuxedos. tuxedos. <laughs> it's very like neutral. They're just standing. And then the sixth cover has a woman. It's and Lana she's, Del Rey. She's literally completely naked. Yeah. Like, 
I think she has on a necklace. And she's sitting in what could really only tastefully be described as the fetal position. Yeah. Like, like hugging her knees. <laughs> it's kind of – it's a really stark contrast. Yeah. Could not have more <laughs> contrast. Yeah. You you can get a sense of the audience of the magazine, like yeah, immediately. Like oh, there's hip men that I want to be like, and there's a woman I want to use and look at. Yeah, yeah, and I do. It's funny that they chose these particular five covers. It's five, not six, because um, three of the men are white, and then one of the guys is black. So then, of course, ninety percent of the retweets were like. Is it because one of the guys is black? Uh, which, I mean, admittedly. I found a different angle to troll that. You did. <laughs> and admittedly, that was my first thought when I saw it because I was like, ha I'm snarky. But that's, that's not really what this is about. It's about the text color. Yeah, it is. About the, the, it's all font. Everything is about kerning, Mike. So, but this, I mean, did you ever play, you've played the Fallout games, I think. Yeah. And you've played some of like the Elder Scrolls games. Mm-hmm. You ever play as a female character? Yeah. Change your experience in any way? No. Nope. I mean... Mass Effect? <laughs> yeah. Now, I will say in the Fallout universe, there are some ways you can behave differently as a woman, but I would say that my playthrough, because I've played as, as both, you know, like intelligent characters and stupid characters, um, female characters, male characters, fighters and merchants and all that, and it's like... It's they're still well, just an avatar for me. I, I wouldn't have a problem with a game having a different game experience based on whether you're a female or male. I'm just sick of the only way that plays out every single time. Right, because that's like, really I'm what it fine, comes like, to. Express biological differences in the characters. That's fine. Yes. Embody that in your story. Just make them actual characters. Don't make them targets of male gaze. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, and, and this is, like, whenever someone uses a phrase like, well, it's fine if it's like a good female lead, but don't just shoehorn a woman in there. It's like, well, then you're implying the default is that the lead character be a man and that to change to a woman yeah. would signify a change. Shouldn't the default just be that it's a good, interesting character that belongs in that yeah. story? Well, in one place this drove me nuts sort of talking about forcing characters in that just don't need to be there is the Silent Hill movie. And Sean Bean existing in that movie whatsoever. I I'm, I know okay. Silent Hill. I haven't seen the movie. So the Silent Hill movie Does is a mother <laughs> goes to Silent Hill to find her daughter who disappeared, and it's creepy because her daughter's dead, and the letter came years later or something. Right. It's okay. some you know creepy it, premise. It's Silent Hill, yeah. And they decided that that mother daughter story isn't enough. Uh, studios decided no, you you got to have a man. You got to have a man in the story. Oh. So Sean Bean plays the husband who's still in the real world wondering where the hell his wife went. So it just cuts to him being like, where's my That's wife? His whole role is like, <laughs> where are they? And it's like useless and it's boring and it has no purpose. And they just forced it in to have a male lead character. And I hate that trope in movies of like, I mean, if they gave him an actual thing to do in the story, fine. Have as many characters as you want. Just try to tell a good story. But since it was just so transparently shoehorned in because you can't have a female lead, no one will see this movie. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, the other thing is uh, it's the romance. Cause it, it's always got to be like the the woman always has to be like protecting yeah. her child or looking for – and the thing is like I don't think a story about a woman protecting her child or or, or looking for the love of her life – like. It's okay to tell those stories. They just can't be the only stories we ever tell yeah, about women. People do have romantic relationships. Those yes. should be expressed in art. Fine. But do they always, every single time, yeah. in the stupidest way possible? And I think no. this, this is what – because, I mean, I'm a heterosexual, young, white man who is educated. Hell yeah. I'm, yes. <laughs> life on easy mode. Right? So, and that's – I mean I, I try not to take for granted that I have a very different experience from a lot of other people. But like I like games sometimes where I'm like the hero and like the princess throws herself at me and all the men want to be me. Like that's a fun experience. But – it doesn't need to be the only experience. <laughs> yeah. Like there are other things that I find interesting. Like 
any story that has a strong female lead, it's not like, well, I can't relate to this because I'm Beyond good man. and evil, I can't play this. Yeah, this is too <laughs> weird because it's the lady person in front. You know, that's just like – there's no – it doesn't have to be one extreme or the other. Like I want – Why can't there just be some damn variety? <laughs> yes. I mean games – I don't want to say escape in like a bad way. But I mean games just like books or movies or TV shows are a way to like kind of live someone else's life. So getting to live the life of like a woman or someone of a different ethnicity or both like someone who's totally different from me in every way. Like but, that's interesting. I want to do that. I think the biggest tell for me that there's a lack of maturity in the this lashing out gamer is you can tell when someone is too strongly like when they can't separate the thing they love from their own self-worth and identity because when someone criticizes games, I don't feel personally attacked. Right. When when you are not when games. Anita Sarkeesian <laughs> points out like how over and over women are side characters that are meaningless, that are abused and hit and stripped and yeah. like there's just, it's just kind of like I'm like, Yeah, that's really annoying. Why do they keep doing that? Why can't they stop doing that? Yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm not like I don't feel like my own personal worth is suddenly attacked. Yes, exactly. Because <laughs> you're you are not those things. It's like I like I feel the same about like politics and, and other topics. Like I don't tie my identity to the validity of an idea so much that if someone criticizes it, I want to kill them. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, you criticize the idea. Maybe I'll think about what you said and try to decide if I agree or not. Yes. Maybe <laughs> I will ingest this new information and use it to either inform or refute my opinion. <laughs> so I, I kinda hope this scandal does what I think it's doing is sort of just Gamers need to be embarrassed about how stupid they are and get over it and move on and grow up. Yeah. Yeah. That really, I mean, <laughs> harassing anyone because, I mean. Because uh, you lose. The it, second you start, like, planning mobs to harass people, yeah. I don't care what the facts were about the original debate. You lose. Yeah. It's yeah, over. Your, your opinion has now been invalidated by your shitty behavior. <laughs> yeah. And what what's is it? How do you say it? Sarke- Sarkeesian? Sarkeesian, Sarke- I guess. Okay. Well, she, I mean, she has been the victim of a whole other different set of harassment, kind of related to what well, Zoe Quinn's thing, going through, like, but it's it's her own. I would situation. love to have a healthy debate about sexism in games, and I'm sure that if push push to it, I could find things I disagree with her the way she's done it, or even actual points of her argument. But when people are threatening to rape and kill her family, I'm just like, all right, yeah. not, nope. even, not even <laughs> worth thinking about this debate because right now you, you losers need to go die yeah. in a fire. Yes. A, a human being's safety is in jeopardy like, when I have we're to, trying to talk about video games. I have to be on her side by default because you are being so unreasonable. Yeah. And that's, I don't think she's, I don't think any sensible person is advocating for the opposite extreme where the men are always tied to the railroad tracks and the women are always <laughs> the hero. Let's just stop dehumanizing people. But that's, I, I'm like, I don't, maybe this is a shitty opinion, but I honestly don't think those stories should go untold. Like you can have yeah, yeah. a story where the, the man is, you know, he man and the woman is frail and needs to be saved. Those just shouldn't be the only story. Yeah, we've had ha- like 60 years of this in games. And, yes, ha- and thousands of years of storytelling <laughs> before that. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't I don't want those kinds of stories to go away. I just want to bring – let's bring in more of the indie variety and make that more supportive and more widespread. I don't even think Anita wants those to go away. No, I don't think she I does. Mean, maybe she wants God of War where you're slapping around topless girls to go away, but – yeah, <laughs> but male heroes—that's fine. There's just—do you realize you have an embarrassment of riches of them? Maybe you can yes. give up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe not Call of Duty, Dude Bro, Madden yeah. again and again and again. I want my WNBA game. <laughs> okay, maybe no one wants that. <laughs> not even. Oh shit! Did I just play into the? You did oh, a little man. bit. But I mean, so this is like. And we can get off this topic in a second because we do have a few other interesting things I want to talk about. But I like – so you said maybe she does want like God of War slapping around topless women to go away. But it's like that is, that is a thing. Like is that any less valid than a game about depression or a game about eating dots and ghosts in a maze? Like it's it's bad. But I think the problem with it is that it's being – 
held up as an ideal that people should aspire to. Like men should abuse women and women should be bimbos that put up with it. Like that's the problem. Yeah. It's not having a game where you can experience those things. And I've heard gamers say like, well, we're not supposed to respect Kratos. He's an awful person. I'm like, it's like, no, but yeah, you, you do respect him. Like, <laughs> even if technically the story is saying he's just sort of turned into this awful person to get revenge, it's still glorifying it. It's making oh, yeah. it. I mean, the game gives you a fucking trophy for tying this bimbo up into gears that hold a door open, and it, the gears crush her oh, and yeah. mangle her and dismember her. Yeah. And if you go back and look at her body, it gives you a trophy. Nice. I'm just like stay classy. Yeah. Wow. And the thing I can't, kind of I can't makes... think of an instance in gaming where those gender roles would be reversed. And I mean, this is really the whole problem is because that's the norm. Like the guy abusing the woman, then it's like it's people are, think it's okay and they glorify it, but. If you reversed it, people would be like, well, that's so strange. And it's like, no, it should be horrible because a human being used another human being as a doorstop. Yeah. Not because it happens to be a man and a woman. And the world this game created is rewarding you for that behavior. Yes. (laughs) Because, I mean, this is like – and this is where we get way beyond my knowledge of like culture and politics and things. But I'm going to go slash at the fringes here. Like people would – consider white i mean he's greek but you know white man mutilating white woman to be like a normal thing to do in a video game but if it was like white man and a black woman they'd be like racism or if it was Mm -hmm. you know black man versus white woman they'd be like racism or any other combination (laughs) of races and genders people would cry racism or sexism and it's like i don't know what ratio you have to get to where the race and gender is no longer relevant. It's about like a human interacting with another human. And like, that's, it's like this fleeting frail. I don't know how to get there. Like, how do we get to a point where it's two humans interacting, not two colors or two genders? And I, I don't know, like it's all context because I could see a game where you use your opponents to, as objects to hold things or like it's like a puzzle game and you're using other yeah. characters you've knocked out to do things like it doesn't have to be this really offensive thing but when it says this topless slave woman you've been pushing around the level for 20 minutes yeah and then you destroy her in this really gory graphic way and then the game's like trophy yes well she's screaming and begging like, for mercy as much as i'm on louis ck's side of he talks about how he's like you should be able to joke about anything. Yep. Absolutely anything. And I get it that if, you know, tread carefully because you're going to make people hate you if you <laughs> really push this. But, like, for, like, you should be able to go over the line every once in a while just because we need this to be a free art form. And, like, I can, there's some form of that I will agree with, even for games. Like, I wouldn't want to say, like, never put characters in gears to hold doors open <laughs> as a rule. But, I can clearly say that God of War, that example is really disgusting and awful. So maybe don't do that. Yeah, it's such a – I mean it's a tenuous – You're allowed to do it, but I'm not required to respect you for doing it. Yes. What's the thing you say about free speech? People mistake free speech for the right to not be criticized. Yeah. And it's like that's why I think gaming counts – I mean, you could make an argument that everything is a form of art, but I don't want to do that. So, well, then nothing's art. <laughs> exactly. But I think, like, you should be able to do all kinds of crazy crap in games, but it becomes a problem when you're celebrating it and then people start emulating it. Like, you don't, you want people to watch Schindler's List because it's a great movie and it has phenomenal music and it's a part of our history that was terrible and we can't deny that it happened as human beings. That happened. You don't want people to watch Schindler's List and be like, that Hitler had some good ideas, Yeah. right? Well, here's the, here's <laughs> an even better example, I think, and we don't have time to get into it today because I would actually need to go think about this, <laughs> but Birth of a Nation Ooh. is a much <laughs> much more controversial example of so Roger Ebert got into tons of trouble for saying this is a great movie in the history of cinema. Yeah. Yes, it's racist. It's awful. It has all these horrible depictions of 
Africans as brutish and simple and needing to be controlled and let like all these like despicable viewpoints. And he still wanted to argue as a piece of cinema, it's important. Right. And like, I don't think God of War is that, <laughs> but, <laughs> no. but I think there is sort of a weird genre of like, I don't know. I don't want to get into it because I don't, I'm not equipped to talk about it intelligently right now. Yeah. But even more than Schindler's List, which you know is like from Steven Spielberg, Jewish director, <laughs> addressing like the Holocaust, but I'm not equipped to talk about it. <laughs> so I do want to get to the, the phone thing. Yes, we do have to do that. So I don't know that I have anything too grand to say, but. Oh, this, I just. This, for anybody who's been listening right now, this is about to be a massive, massive gear shift. So make sure your seatbelt's yep. tightened. <laughs> What should we call smartphones? So we're, we're getting really sick of how this thing that you never use to make calls being called a smartphone. And I just recently added the phone icon back to my I'm, – <laughs> I'm trying a new home screen layout, and I had actually removed it, and now it's back because I have space for it. <laughs> and it's just like it's part of the default, so you feel nice having it there. <laughs> so I was thinking about this, and I, to be fair, I didn't come up with this idea I'm going to put forth. I, I heard it in another spot, but I thought about it, and I think I agree with it. Um, so it comes down to what you think about language and naming things is should it be descriptive or prescriptive? And so the thing we call a phone historically has either been something on a wall or something with buttons used to make audio conversation calls to people. Yes. Does that have to be what the word phone means? Uh, Always. Can we just drop the word smart and just call these things phones and just redefine what phone means to be this smallish mobile device and which that is you that, take is that, everywhere. Is that prescriptive or descriptive? This would, I think this would be descriptive as like the thing that people mean by phone has changed. So okay. we will modify our dictionaries to account for this new change. Instead of saying, nope, phone means that old thing and it never should change, find a new word, buddy. And I think this is this is sort of a pragmatic, it's not a sexy renaming of things, but I think it's realistic that people already call these things phones, and so the world will just shift. The other one is, I think Europe has been way better at picking their name. Mobile. Just mobile. Yeah. <laughs> and like that, that one would be totally acceptable to me, too. Which, to be fair, is short for mobile phone. Yeah, but it's more generic, but it somehow is. but they've been using it to refer to these. And I think I think that's realistically something that I would predict is likely to happen is can we just like yeah, there's some people with dumb phones still, but that's the word we should have is dumb phone. <laughs> there's phones and there's dumb phones. <laughs> like we need to drop the so, smart. So be- smartphones are just now the standard yeah, for phones. Yeah, they they they're yeah, don't make a distinction now because well, they are what phones are now. Okay, so there's there's a lot to dissect here. That's actually this is more interesting now than when we first started talking about this because <laughs> so you could go back to calling the thing on a wall or the thing that only makes voice a calls landline <laughs> or a telephone. Yeah, so it's like that's a telephone, and then you have mobile phones which are just like dumb phones. And then you have phones, which yeah. are smartphones. But now... And it has nothing to do with calling anymore. Right. I'm a big fan of name, calling something by what it is, <laughs> which puts me in a really crappy paradox because I like to be descriptive in what something's called, but I get really annoyed when someone comes up with a name for a thing that's really just something else. Like when they brand it. Yeah. Like when someone's like, Oh, we have a sandwich menu and we have a panini menu. And it's like, no, you have a sandwich menu. Yeah. Paninis are a kind of sandwich. Like, it's a hot sandwich, but it's still a sandwich. You can't take the sandwichness out of it because <laughs> then you would have nothing. It's meat and bread and vegetables. Yeah. So I feel like part of the issue is we should call smartphones something else because they're not. Their primary function is not a telephone. My laptop can make phone calls, but I don't call it a laptop phone, right? Right. But the problem is 
they didn't spring into the universe fully formed. We had to ease people into them, right? And it's kind of like this merging of technologies over time. And the language works the same way. <laughs> exactly. So I think if aliens came down right now or came down 40 years ago and handed us smartphones, we would never fucking call them smartphones. Like, it'd be ridiculous to call them that. Yeah. But because it's like, well, it's an iPod and an internet communicating device and it also happens well, to the, make phone the calls. funny thing about the iPhone is like the phone is the most archaic and like it's the least descriptive thing about what the thing is according to what people think of phones as. Yes. Well, and I mean everyone always makes the joke about how the phone And that's the icon, only thing it doesn't do well is it doesn't make calls. It well. does not. The the phone icon looks like an old handset. Yeah. You know, like that you could pin between your shoulder and your ear without sliding it onto the floor and shattering it into a million pieces. Yeah. I can live with that, like just like the floppy disk yeah, icon. Yeah, save icon, yeah. I'm fine that like kids today don't even know what a floppy disk is. It's <laughs> fine. I'm actually in even less of a no one's being hurt by this because saving is sort of disappearing because everything is always saved. True. Yeah, the save icon is kind of going away because the concept of I saved this <laughs> is sort of going away. But which is also awesome. I think it's I mean I don't I don't know what'll happen if the, another word will emerge, but I feel like I'd be happy just dropping smart because it's now the default. Like when everyone has a smartphone, everyone just has a phone. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm I follow your logic, but it feels wrong. <laughs> like it I because then, then we have to be aware of that. I mean, and this is just a quirk of language. It's not exclusively your fault. But then, I think the slang moves forward, and the the technical words that no one used in the heyday of the thing stay. <laughs> well, but that's exactly my point. Is that if you go back and you read a book from the 1940s, and they make a reference to using the phone. It's like, well, they don't mean a phone the way we mean it. So now you have to be aware of the time and context so that you're using the terms. That's that's part of the reason I'm a fan of like, well, just use a new term because it's a different thing. That term already has a use. That happens enough that – Oh, it totally does. (laughs) I just find it annoying. But it's like I get – both arguments, like both of those rationales make perfect sense to me. Like rename the I thing. I think we'd be better off to call mobiles than phones, but yeah. I, I just don't see that happening in America at least. Well, it's like I don't think anyone ever called them tellers. Like yeah. they, they chose the phone part. So now because the phone, like the sound, you know, phonics, like that was the relevant shortening plus it, it's a lot easier to say. But now the mobile part of mobile phone is the significant part. The phone part is no longer the significant part. Yeah. It's the mobile part. So maybe it makes – maybe there's a logical yeah. argument for going that slang. But even if we just get people to continue to morph what they mean by the word phone, that's fine because it, it could just similarly not imply a specific use or specific size Right. Like whether it's a three inch thing or a seven inch thing, who cares? Yeah, I guess. So here's a potential hang up. The only significant difference between my tablet and my phone is that my tablet won't make direct calls. I can do a lot of what most people would consider a telephone call, but I can't. I don't have a number. Right. People can't call me directly. And this is blurring because, I mean, in some ways, people's phones are just going to be their MiFi's that tether to everything else. Sure. Or maybe not. Maybe everything's going to have a cell radio eventually, probably. But yeah, or mesh networks. Yeah, but I think even with iOS eight and Yosemite, it's you can like make calls from your Mac right through your phone, and your phone's on the table across the room. Yes, but I mean, so this is. Does the so device, phone doesn't mean anything anymore. Does the device have to include the ability to make a traditional 10-digit number phone call? Not in the way I'm thinking. I'm thinking we just appropriate that word for your mobile thing. Okay. So that, then I have to vote for mobile because then, yeah. then my tablet no, mobile would be, would be better. I just see that Europe got that right and we didn't <laughs> and it may be too late for us, but – Maybe we can be... What are you talking about? We're making amazing strides switching to the metric system. 
Any day now. My car gets 40 rods to the hog's head, and I likes it that way. <laughs> Is it Simpsons? Yeah. That's what Grandpa says, I think. That's right. Uh, that's- so that's my spiel that... I think language is fluid, language changes, and that's one way forward. It's very mundane. Just drop the smart. Whatever we do, stop calling it Jesus phone. Stop calling it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> super I mean, phone. I think this is – it's going to just happen on its own. But I have noticed that every once in a while there will be an industry where a new adjective creeps in and it has to override the old adjectives for the people who – um, are aware of that kind of thing because like I, I watch Top Gear sometimes because it's a funny show like not the American one that one sucks the British one <laughs> another thing Europe got right <laughs> um, but it's uh, so there's like there's cars we're not like, just Europhiles <laughs> no I don't think so um, but there's like there's cars like what you and I drive like regular cars and then there's like a supercar but now like the cutting edge of that industry I've started hearing the term hypercar and it's like well where's that boundary like that's marketing somebody just made that up but that is what happens is when something new shows up it has to go it has to exaggerate itself to distinguish from what everything else is this even happens in philosophy like i've read about like in the history of philosophy when a new idea emerges it has to argue an extreme version of itself just to distinguish itself from what it's changing from. Like a modest proposal. And so later when you look, yeah, kind of, <laughs> even though that's, that's more just satire. But um, when you look back on history and you read like some of the foundational works of a particular viewpoint, it can come off as kind of harsh and extreme, and you're like, mellow down, dude. And it's like you have to understand like at that moment, he had to say it in such a stark, contrasty way just to make people even be able to distinguish it from what they were submerged in. And I feel like even with new technology and products, that kind of has to happen. You have to be like, this is the greatest thing ever made. Well, too bad there isn't anything happening this week that would have that level of hyperbole attached. No, thank God. (laughs) But if there is something that happens between now and, let's say, Later this afternoon, <laughs> maybe we could talk about it next week. I have to throw this in because – so the I linked to this GQ cover comparison uh, in the show notes. But I realized um, another interesting thing about like women in, uh, in a lot of media is like the thing that's significant about them is that they're a woman. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at the subtitles on these uh, – these magazine covers, I had to blow the image way up because it's kind of a small image. But um, so, like this, this first person, I, I'm gonna assume he's an athlete. I'm sorry, I don't, I, I don't sport ball. But his <laughs> his subtext says triumphs as GQ Man of the Year, and then there's uh, Robbie Williams, who's an artist and is, you know music artist, and it says Robbie Williams is GQ's icon of the year, and then it's um, I. I'm sorry, I have no so, idea how to say this person's name, but it's Solo Artist of the Year. And then the guy from Mad Men is GQ's International Mad Men of the Year. But then for Lana Del Rey, it's Lana Del Rey is GQ's Woman of the Year. It's like, and she's a musician. <laughs> yes. It doesn't say anything about her music. No. Her significant contribution is that she is a woman and also she a, is naked. A suitable object for us to use and stare at. Yeah. So like all these other people, it's like their accomplishment is being noted in the title that they're given – and for her, it's like, you successfully happen to have been born a woman. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> so that's like... Men get to do things. Uh, yeah. Women are supposed to just be. I'm not... I, I don't know how to fix any of this. Like, Except everyone just stop being a shitty person. Yeah. Like, that's my recommendation. I value people. <laughs> yeah, just maybe. It's a radical idea, I know. Like you said... New philosophies have to be radical. Well, I was talking with with Shelby last night about some of this stuff. Oh, with the Ray Rice stuff. Have you seen any of this? Uh, the football Ravens player. player oh, he yeah, he like abused his girlfriend or his wife. Just, just shown punching her unconscious on an elevator. Oh, and he's he's banned from the NFL now. Like once his video came out, they couldn't just be like, "Well, he gets a two day suspension." Is his wife okay? Um, she's, I mean, she survived, okay. <laughs> but, and they're still, they got married after that. Oh, 
So Good. I don't know. I have no comment on their relationship. I don't know anything. Seems a little crazy. Yeah. But we were talking about how um how well, there was a lot of things we were saying, but <laughs> There were words. Oh, some of the reactions from other NFL players. I mean, they're all like, I'm outraged. This is awful. Why? You know, you should never behave that way. Like, yeah, damn straight. Yes. But some of them had a tone of, I was taught you are, you should never hit a woman. Right. And this is. This so is, <laughs> if, if there was video of him beating a man unconscious, I'd be like, eh. That's what I was talking about <laughs> is that. In a way, like that sound, that's very noble, very uh, traditional chivalry of like, never lay a hand on a lady, be a gentleman. Right. And that can, while it's way less aggressive than actually being Ray Rice and hitting a woman, that that mentality can also limit and dehumanize women of like. Oh, absolutely. Because it's they're, like they're a precious they're little, little flowers. Yeah. They have to be protected. And I'm like, it's not only. Well, how about we just don't assault people? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, because that's and you have, and you're allowed to defend yourself no matter who's attacking you. Yes. How about that? Yeah, that makes sense to me. Those are your options. Either (laughs) we don't physically assault other people, or everyone's fair game. Like you can't say it was wrong for him to hit her because she's a woman. You have to say it was wrong for him to hit her because he had no reason to be hitting her. Yeah. Like, she wasn't trying to kill him or rob him or anything. He had no reason to be defending himself. And I think that's a sensible... Or assaulting her. He wasn't defending anything. I'm sympathetic to biologically men tend to be stronger, and if you don't know your own strength, that if you're acting in self-defense, you need to be careful that you don't... Like, even if a woman is attacking you, that you don't kill her because you are just stronger. Sure. Makes sense to me. But in general, if someone's attacking me and I don't have an escape path or a way to de-escalate this, I'm going to defend myself. I don't care if they have a penis or a vagina. Yes. <laughs> and I mean, I think this is like this is the thing is if a, if a woman was assaulting a man because I mean like I'm I'm not a very big guy. There are women who are a lot larger than me. I'm only 5'6". So, a woman could be big enough to overpower me like that's not unthinkable but if that happened the story would be like oh my god a woman overpowered a man like a (laughs) man taking blows from a woman that's impossible and it's like no that can happen because women also have fists and feet and can hold knives and guns like violence they have agency (laughs) so let's not Let's not belittle them, and let's also not <laughs> underestimate them. Yeah, it's maybe let's just not. Maybe try they're to kill just each also other. human. Maybe yeah. that's that's the George R. R. Martin. Like, how do you write women characters? <laughs> well, I have this weird idea where I treat women as people. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I don't. I think it's an interesting, and we don't. This this is going to be this is going to be my final thought. Yeah. Um, if you have anything you want to wrap it up with, but. It's an interesting idea to say, like, you should be able to joke about anything because the implication there is that equality doesn't mean we treat everyone like frail, gentle flowers that need to be protected. It means everything's fair game. So, like, the just the way you wouldn't really think that much if two guys were out at a bar arguing over a football game and they got into a fight, like – if one of the people in that story was a woman, that if you're okay with two guys getting drunk and fighting over a football game, you should be okay with a man and woman getting drunk and fighting over a football game. <laughs> because if the woman's capable of defending herself, then the story is just that two people got into a fight, <laughs> yeah. not that a man was abusing a woman, right? Because, I mean, what if the woman is like a trained martial artist or she's ex-Marines and she's wailing on the guy and he can't defend himself? Like, yeah. then you if that story was two men, people would be like, oh, well, that idiot shouldn't have shot his mouth off about the football team against an ex-Marine. But if the person getting wailed on is a woman or if the person doing the wailing is a woman, yeah. then it's this totally different story. And, and it, I mean, it all con- stems to the norms that those create. And context matters. Anyone can be a victim. Anyone can be an asshole. And a lot of people have managed to be assholes to a lot of unfortunate victims. Yeah. So, yeah, that's – I think this may be the heaviest episode we've ever done. Yeah, so hopefully <laughs> we didn't just get ourselves into a ton of trouble. But yeah. Well, I think we both advocated for not victimizing anyone and not being an asshole. 
So if anyone out there has a really <laughs> solid argument about why that's wrong, why you should be an asshole and why you should treat yeah like, victimize people, people, and please don't ever talk to me because <laughs> I'm not. I interested. think I can safely ignore you. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Stop listening, victim victimizers and assholes. Um, so, Mike, where can people find? Where can the non-victimizers and non-assholes find our show notes? If you're not a victim and not an asshole, you can find me at pseudomichael.com. Did, yep. Oh, you're just stopping. Yep. Okay, yeah, okay, that's okay. It. Um, people can find me at lionsandbeta.com, at lionsandbeta on Twitter, all that stuff. And find these show notes at flippingtablespodcast.com/slash zero three one. Yes. 31. 31. Ooh. I, I want – you know what's going to happen? There's going to be like – after we break 50, there's going to be like a lull where the numbers aren't as interesting. But then when we get close to 100, the numbers are going to get interesting again. I know. Because so like, I feel like 30 is like – it's more than it, – we're coming up on a third of 100. And then we're going to lose interesting fractions after 50. <laughs> <laughs> I like 72. That will be a fun one. 72? Yeah. 72. You heard it here first. 72 is going to be special. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. So we'll see if – I, I don't think there's going to be any huge thing we have to talk about next week. No. But if there is, we'll see you next week. All right.